Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today, we're continuing our week-long discussion around program design. And we're going to be talking about why structure and supercompensation are keys to your training. This is something that is a very misunderstood topic, and you're going to want to stick around for What's up, everyone? It's time to rock. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. Phil's across the table for me. We're joined by Nalesh as well. My name's Rad Burmeister, and we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so that you can unleash your inner athlete. You can get daily coaching by us, plus our epic foundation prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. Now, I've got a big announcement. This week, we are going for 72 hours. We're going to give you the opportunity to join our revolutionary UMS program at a lifetime discounted rate. So instead of the regular $97 per month, you're going to be able to get it at a discounted rate. How much? Well, we're going to announce that tomorrow, but we're going to give you a two-week trial as well. So tune in because tomorrow... 28th of April, 2021. You're going to have three days to join the program at a great price. Now, before we get started, warm welcome if you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact with us. And lastly, a shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. All right, joining us today is Phil White and Nalesh Murti from ADPT Physio. How are you, boys? Very well. Oh well, yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've both been on the the show, couple weeks. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's 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 good to have you back, mate. Good times. Happy days. Let's Happy get into days. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, I think that I mean, just to, for, I'd like to start this one off because it's just something that I have been trying to explain to patients so much in the last uh, couple of weeks, where I've just had a, a whole bunch of patients who. Uh, take the approach of just thrashing themselves every time they're in the gym uh, and doing the same thing over and over and over again, not having any variety, not having any in exercise selection or in intensity in which they do things. So I'm, I'm really keen to talk about this one today because I think if you get this right, you'll you'll work smarter, not harder. It's a complete game changer. It's oh, a complete yeah. game changer. And I mean, I think to, to pre-frame this, I think it's important to understand like the way that adaptation occurs um, in the body. So whether it's a strength adaptation or a flexibility adaptation or a fitness adaptation, the, the whole reason why you train, the adaptation doesn't occur when you're training. The training creates a stimulus. So if you go to the gym and you lift some weights, you basically create a, a whole bunch of signaling that goes on through the body on a hormonal level that in a really layman term says, okay, let's build some muscle or let's build some strength. And then the body says, yeah, let's do it. Give me the right conditions to make that happen. And those conditions are rest and recovery. You, the real adaptation occurs when you're asleep. Uh, and then nutrition, good nutrition, right? So when you're, it's a real misunderstanding to think that I go to the gym, I kill myself, I get stronger. No, that's not what happens. It's the, you go to the gym, you do a workout that creates a stimulus for growth. And then the rest and recovery that you do afterwards is the catalyst that creates that growth. And that's where, um, that's where super compensation comes into play. So then if you go a little bit deeper, you look into the way that a program block looks like. And, and when we understand these things, this adaptation process, we can use supercompensation, which is basically a process of repeatedly causing a stimulus over time until you push your body 
to a point where it doesn't really want to be pushed that much further. It needs to recover now. And during that period of recovery, it has a massive uh, level of growth. Um, would you say that that's a good layman description of kind of adaptation and super compensation? Yeah, I think that's a, a nice way of thinking about it. And what I just see so often is people just doing all of the stimulus, all of the stimulus over and over again, and then without any of the um, recovery. And it mm. just, that's you know, why I'm working them with them as a physio. Because yeah, it's just, good for us, isn't it? Yeah, that does the job. Yeah. Um, definitely some, uh, there are some, well-known brands of uh, group classes that mm. send a lot of those particular people um, my way because yep. it is just, you know, when you have a program that do that lacks structure, both in mm. the micro sense, so within a week and then over the long term, if you're just going to be hammering away at the same things and, and not recovering, then that's, yeah. Yep. That's yeah. It. And yep. it's, it's also highlighted of social, like we've touched on this before, social media doesn't really help the sense of it because you see your athletes, you see your, you know, CrossFit or whatever you call them putting up posts and them at, you know, capacity or, you yeah. know, running at, you know, or training at the red line. So, and that's what everyone perceives as training hard. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, this is my own personal take on it. But, you know, if you look at um, probably some of the earlier mainstream footage of, of hardcore training was, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger days, right? Like that was, at least from my perspective, when I think of all the things that I've been exposed to, if I reflect back to what some of the earliest footage, it's, you know, Arnie and, uh, you know, his um, generation training in Gold's Gym, you know, and down at Venice Beach and stuff. You're not really seeing people, you, you don't really see them when they're doing their recovery days, right? Like you see them when they're really pushing that last set and the veins are popping out and their eyes are popping out of their head and they're screaming. And so then, you know, the punter thinks, well, that's what I've got to do every time I go to the gym. And then you can compare that to the Nike ads, um, you know, or, or whatever it is, the Fitbit ads. And it's always the people, you know, just getting gassed as they go up the stairs and getting to the top and putting their hands on their knees. And, <laughs> and of course, there's a place for that, right? Like, it's yeah. not like that. It's not like we don't do that. But that's not what happens all the time. Yeah, you know? and I think like I've, I've mentioned this study before a few times for my sports science degree about looking at runners who we had um, professionals, we had elite and then amateur runners. And basically with time of training, the elites and the professionals did the same amount of total time spent, but the professionals would do a higher peak intensity because they were able to chill out for the rest of the day. They were able to, you know, eat and sleep and go to the beach and um, have a spa and you know all of those mm. things whereas the elite people had to then go to work and look after the kids and um, they didn't get that same recovery so although they're putting in the same like perceived exertion so they're working as hard as they possibly can and they're doing the same amount of time um, dedicated to their training as some of the professionals like they just don't have the ability to recover and I think that's it was really interesting when I when I was working at the Giants and you'd go in like when I was doing massage sessions there and most of the time you just see the guys sort of sitting around they have like what ping pong tables and <laughs> they have xbox and they have like all these things around the the headquarters of the giants because you know they hit their training hard but then they're just like eating and chilling yeah, like, 80 <laughs> they, they follow the 80 20 rule really well you know you work you build your capacity really well but within that time the recovery your little yeah. pillars of mm. progress and then your 20 percent is you know game day or run training at the 90 plus percent and so forth and yep. but everyone just gets caught up in the 20 percent not the 80 yeah. percent that make the whole pie yeah. I did, I did uh, for a long time. And if we talk about, I mean, when we're, when we're working out, the four of us here with Richard working out what we we're going to talk about today, Richard brought up a good point that right now at Unity Gym and in the UMS online, it is peak week. 
and um, and next week we're going to be doing deload week and um, Richard was reminding me that he gets a lot of questions in the classes people saying why do we do peak week and why do we do deload week um, and this is why if you're you know if you're early on in your training um, age and you're at this level where you're really focusing on the technique and you're not really pushing your body to its limits it may not be as applicable to you it might it might be but it may not be but when you're around our level if you train the way that definitely I'll speak for myself if you train the way that I do and the way that some of our members do in the gym some of our senior members and some of the senior students in the UMS online coaching you absolutely need a deload week because what we teach people to do is that week on week we try and build the intensity and the volume on last week like it's the idea of let's see what I can do safely um, with good technique and if I did that and I achieved it let's see how much I can add next week and you can't do that forever you just can't you can't plan that for a year every single week you're going to be doing more than you did last week so the smart programming plans a deload weekend and the way we do it is we do it every six weeks and in the deload week you dramatically reduce the volume we we teach people that you can still strive for intensity gains meaning if you lifted 100 kilos for your squat last week and this week you feel like you could do 102 or 103 you can do that but we reduce the volume by 60%. So if you, you did five sets on the squat, then this week you're only doing two sets. And anybody that's been doing five sets of squats every Tuesday for five weeks, when you get to that deload week and they do the two sets, they go, what is that it? And it's this feeling of, is that all I'm doing today? Yeah, absolutely. It is all you're doing today. We're just going to deload and allow the body to recover. And it takes people a long time to get their head around this. And only us, at least in the gym, only our senior students are now starting to come to me after years going, I really get deload week now. Like um, when it comes to deload week, they come up to me going, oh man, I'm so stoked it's deload week this week. Whereas when you look at the people that are like with six months or less experience, they're the people that even when you tell them to deload, you see them in the back corner doing a quick circuit at the end to try and feel like they yeah. they, they get some work done, you know? <laughs> I think it's good to highlight that the training age is people or the, the big population of who the ones are that yeah. want to train all the way. Mm -hmm. six, month, six months or less, they're like, yep, I've got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. Then you add years and years and like, yeah, it's deload week. Because I know in four or five weeks I'll be lifting big tin again yep. or running again or doing whatever again. And yeah, I think that's the training age is a big tick off there for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And because when you're, I guess, initially getting into training, you have so much variability in how um, much you're able to lift from just your um, basically neurological, neurological adaptations and also your technique. And so it's it's when you are deeper down that, that training journey where you, you're ticking the boxes with your neuro adaptations, you've got dialed in technique and the must like the gains you've had has been from this super compensatory effect of like creating a stimulus that then has a actual muscular physiological um result and that when you're lifting at those kind of levels that gets really draining like yep. it's, it's hard yep. to maintain that whereas when you're kind of hitting pbs when you're a bit earlier on in your training it just doesn't kind of drain you in that same no, kind of way that doesn't. when you've gone deeper down the track and you really have to work hard for each of those mm. that improvement like that that's where you just feel absolutely wiped yep. um, and if you keep trying to do that like you're, yep. you're gonna have a hard, hard, hard time we are i mean when you talk about it like that feel like specifically if i try to max out on a squat or a deadlift like a max max squat for me um at the moment if i wanted to do five reps with 
full aster grass good technique, I'd probably be doing around 140 kilos, I'd imagine. Um, for a deadlift, probably about 180. If I do that, I can't even stretch properly for about four days afterwards. Like my, my body is so sore from it. So the idea to think for myself that I'm going to do that every week, and I learned the hard way, um, but now that's, you know, what peak week is for us. Like we, we work our way up and I go, all right, this is that week. I'm, I'm really going to go for it. And you earn that rest. And if you do that, if you get that right, oh, man, you, you won't be questioning what deload week is for. You, you'll be crying for it, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, if you get it wrong, unfortunately, it can be a really frustrating experience. Yeah, definitely. And so I think probably now is a good time to just dive a bit deeper into the structure um, side of things because sure. I think we've talked about the CV compensation pretty well here. And if you listened yesterday, we did talk about structure in a very much a week by week sort of sense about why you have certain things on certain days. But I thought it'd be great while we have Nilesh here who's had so much experience in professional sports with having, uh, you know, different uh, demands for your programming for pre-season versus in-season versus finals um, and then off-season and just getting that idea of that sort of larger macro structure of of the idea that you're not just at that, like you're not training the same thing at the same level for a whole year. You're really looking at building the right things at the right time. So do you want to maybe... Yeah, I think a... you, um, using, you know, the structure that m most athletes or in any sport, you know, like your off-season when guys aren't, you know, playing and they're in the holidays athletes are still training but again they're training at you know 50 or 60 percent capacity um again all just to maintain fitness all to maintain their strength and still have neuromuscular exposure or you know some sort of training exposure um it's funny when they get into pre-season things change because in pre-season their goals change and the goal here is to get ready for in-season so they're not training hard from week one they're building their way up to round one which could be in six weeks or three months, whatever it is. But you'll see it'll be a nice linear increase um, to round one, so they peak then. Um, you'll see, for example, running loads pick up from 4Ks a week all to all the way up to 20, 30Ks a week. Isn't done in the first week because we'll break them more if we do that. Um, same thing goes in season. The funny thing is in season, guys don't do much. They maintain everything. Our guys will be doing, you know, with their squats, 46 reps. Good load, good intensity, good, you know, stimulus. But they'll be there just maintaining and um, topping up the good work they've done in the pre-season to make sure, you know, in pre-season they've got up there, now they've got it in-season, they hold it together. And I think a very, um, what they do really well is they, um, we talk about tapering or different cycles, they actually do little dips where they have deload weeks going into bye week where guys get refreshed, they get, you know, neuromuscular fatigue kicks in by then, so they, they get a good ref recovery week. Same thing works work, working towards finals, whatever sport you play. Come around 22, 20, wherever you're at, they'll dip off and they'll have a light week in the gym, focus, mobility, strength, or just some sort of stimulus. And then they get them ready, recovered to peak for finals. And that's how you see the good teams get up there. And I think that works really well with, you know, our side of things in our lens of physio. Um, we, don't have, we don't see guys walking through the door with, you know, overuse injuries. Um, it's, it's all maintained really well by the performance staff and makes our life a lot easier, the Giants or in sport. So. Yeah, I think it's been interesting looking at like the spread of patients you see versus the spread of patients I see because you're definitely on the like spectrum of seeing 
you know, acute injuries where people have had a, you know, roll an ankle, hurt a joint, dislocate their shoulder, that sort of things. Whereas, like in the the gym world, all I see is like basically, you know, Chronic I don't quite like the yeah. term overuse because you know you can it's, it's not high load to get you. It's how you get there. Um, but yeah, definitely people with load management issues where they've caused themselves tendinopathies or muscle strains or spasm because they've just like they're doing all the right exercises, but it's either an issue with like that microload with technique or it's a macro loading t- um, program side of things. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but whereas, you know, in the, in the sports world, like you've got strength conditioning staff and nutrition staff and, yeah. um, and player management people who are making sure they're not, you know, dealing with stress and anxiety and <laughs> living yeah, situations. And so they're getting all that stuff so right. And so, yeah. And, and again, you don't have to have all these resources around you to get it right. Yeah. You just got to follow the system. Yeah. Something that was a game changer for me was, you know, rereading a bunch of literature over the past couple of years and being reminded of what, when you're in a state of overreaching, how to recognize it and then to do a deload, even if it's unplanned. And so the concept of overreaching is when you, if you're not in a state of overreaching, theoretically, you should see small improvements each week. You should be able to feel like you can go a little bit more this week or push a little bit harder because that's the process of supercompensation. This all relies on good programming though because if you're, for example, if you're doing the same muscle group or the same movements too many without enough recovery in a seven day period, then it can stifle this process. But let's presume you've got your basic programming down pat so that you have enough rest and recovery. For example, we do squats on Tuesday. We don't do another lower body movement until Friday. So if, if we do that well, by the time I come around to Tuesday next week, should be able to do a little bit more on my squat. When you're in a state of overreaching, that's those are the workouts that you come into and you go, God, I'm so weak today. I just can't lift as much as I did last week. You know, I was everything was going great. I lifted so much last week and the week before. And now, I, you know, I was doing 100 last week. Now I can barely do 90. That's when you're in that state of overreaching. And, and this is where so many people get it wrong, right? They think I'm gonna push through it. I'm gonna go harder. And I used to do this. I used to do it all the time and I got injured all the time. That's how I got tendinopathy for sure. I just, I was feeling it. And my response to it was, well, I'm pushing through this instead of going, okay, let's have a chat to Phil. Um, let's figure out what's going on in my body, figure out how I manage this load and, and you know get through it. And if you, I think if you can learn to recognize that state of overreaching and, and people then ask, well, how do I know when I'm in a state of overreaching? If you can't do the same as what you did last week, as long as it, all the other factors are the same, as long as you haven't had a big night out or something like that over the weekend, if you're still getting good sleep and everything. But once you're in that state of overreaching, to be able to go, okay, I'm going to deload this week, even though it wasn't my plan. I'm just, And sometimes you don't even have to deload for a week. Sometimes you can deload just for a couple of workouts. You can, If you had the weekend off and you didn't do much and you're not feeling good on Monday, you can just deload Monday and Tuesday and often by the time Wednesday comes around, you're ready to go yeah. again, you know? And so often with these sort of injuries that I see all the time is they, they send warning shots. Like they, <laughs> they yeah. let you, you yeah. know, it's often with like the, the forearm stuff. Like when I went through the process of giving myself this tendopathy on purpose to really experience it, <laughs> Uh, maybe have a few regrets around that um, but <laughs> <laughs> when I did my program of, of trying to actively give myself um, forearm tendinopathy uh, it like didn't happen straight away but I started getting like a few signs of like oh this is you know feeling a bit more sore a bit a bit rough but like it was only when I persisted and <laughs> pushed through that for another few days of doing maximal pull-ups and wrist flexion exercises uh, that it really set in and just wouldn't go away. Whereas before that, it sort of zinged a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. that would be the sign where you listen to your body and be like, okay, 
I'm just going to deload a little bit and then come back to it. But so often we kind of get in that mindset and often it is when you're training, um, you know, with that sort of competitive side of things where you've got, you're in a group class or you're in a, you know, you've got someone else there and you're trying to really prove yourself or whatever, or this is just some people who like to just blast themselves. Like it's, it's so often that we do get some warning signs that something's going to um, go yep. wrong, but we don't listen. Yep. And I think, I think one of the hardest things that the average punters have to deal with is the confusion about what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. Because I can remember being this way myself, even when I was a personal trainer in my early days, just not, re- there was, there's so many different ways you can write a program split. There's so many different people that you could follow and different people that you'll speak to will give you completely conflicting advice. So it is hard to know what you should be doing, but there are some basic rules of thumb that can be applied to most programming. So when it comes to most load, um, if you push your body to its limits, it usually takes 48 to 72 hours for muscles to recover from a resistance session. So if you're going to your limits, if you're pushing yourself to that 90% max effort or, or beyond, then you wanna be thinking that you do not wanna be trying to do strength training on those same muscle groups for another 48 to 72 hours. This is why in the UMS, we have 72 hours break between the same muscle groups. So bent arm strength on Monday, Thursday, lower body Tuesday, Friday, and then our athletic movements on Wednesday, Saturday. That's not an accident that we chose that program split. It's not like, a, oh wow, we decided to do it the way that everybody says you should do it. We thought about that you know, really really carefully. So if you're doing a program that doesn't take that into consideration, and if you go into a workout and you start the workout and you go, oh my God, those muscles are really sore. You might want to have a think about what did you do yesterday or the day before? Are you using the same muscle groups and trying to really, um, you know, trying to do another maximal workout on something yeah. that you've only just done? Because it comes back to that stimulus and then recovery. And if you, <laughs> if you've already stimulated it, yeah. Give it recovery. Yeah. If you haven't stimulated it, give it some stimulus. Yeah. But exactly <laughs> so right. often yeah. people yeah. get that. I've had runners come in going, yep, I ran Friday, Saturday, Sunday, my shins are sore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so on Monday, yep. Yeah. Obviously, if you're an elite runner, it's a different yeah. story. But if you're an everyday runner, like it's, you know, yeah. like Phil said, you gotta, if you s- stimulate it, you got to recover it. Yep. Yep. So basic fundamentals to know. Another good rule of thumb that I've followed that's worked well for me is um, to have one uh, rest day every week minimum, meaning yeah. that no matter what your programming is, no matter what it is that you do, that you have one day a week where that day you can move. You could go and go for a swim or go for a walk on the beach or, or play some you know, frisbee with your friends at the park or whatever, but have one day a week that isn't programmed into your training where it's not, yeah. like I've looked at some people's programs and they go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm doing this and I think, where's the rest where's where's that one day a week where you just get up and go and if you actually program like that and you're that high an achiever that you are consistently training six days a week you really look forward to that sunday i do yeah (laughs) when i get to sunday i'm like oh yes i don't have to go to the gym today yeah i have had quite a few patients like that this week where one of my main interventions have been like rest day (laughs) day. at least one (laughs) just please put at least one rest day in there because yeah it's so common that people when they get motivated for exercise they just feel like if they stop it all that everything's going to crumble apart but yep. if you change that mindset and think about how important recovery is as part of getting a super compensatory effect and getting stronger and fitter and all the benefits you want to get from training like 
when you start to really get that drilled in, that this is a positive thing that you can do for yourself, <laughs> mm. then it, it really changes the game. So think about that both in the short term and in that long-term thing. Because today we really want to talk about that structure is like that long-term, how are you peaking over the year? Do you have certain events mm. that you're trying to work towards? Do you have certain physical goals that you're trying to peak for? And really do think about how you're going to structure your bigger programming decisions around it. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, that structure, you know, also has to include progressive overload, which is what we spoke about yesterday. If you want to know what that is, listen to yesterday's show. Um, yeah. Anyway, hope you got something out of that, guys. Um, tune in tomorrow if you want to join our UMS online coaching group at a lifetime discounted rate. It's a really great opportunity to get it. And we're about to jump into our UMS online coaching group where we give specific coaching guidance to our members. Thanks, boys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Have a good day, everyone. See ya. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.